Hey y'all, hey! Welcome to the Seek Joy Sister podcast where I talk about all things scripture and Jesus. So today we are going to start the book 2 Corinthians and we are going to talk about chapters 1 through 9. So let's get started. Second Corinthians verses one eighteen through twenty two. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are, yes, in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The commentary, all of God's promises of what the Messiah would be like are fulfilled in Christ. In him has always been yes. Jesus was completely faithful in his ministry. He never sinned. You can find that in 1 Peter 3.18. He faithfully died for us, Hebrews 2.9. And now he faithfully intercedes for us, Romans 8, 34 and Hebrews 4, 14 through 15. Because Jesus Christ is faithful, Paul wanted to be faithful in his ministry. Paul mentions two gifts that God gives us. And when we become believers, so one, a seal of ownership to show who our master is, and to the Holy Spirit who guarantees that we belong to him and will receive all his benefits. The Holy Spirit guarantees that salvation is ours now and that we will receive so much more when Christ returns. The great comfort and power the Holy Spirit gives in this life is a foretaste or down payment, really, like a deposit, of the benefits of our eternal life in God's presence. With the privilege of belonging to God comes the responsibility of identifying ourselves as his faithful servants. So don't be ashamed to let others know that you are his. We should sing for joy at the fact that we are his because honestly, there's nothing greater than having that comfort and peace and knowing that you are his. Okay, now let's talk about 2 Corinthians verses 4, 5 through 6. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Commentaries. The focus of Paul's preaching was Christ and not himself. When you witness, tell people about what Christ has done and not about your abilities and your accomplishments. People must be introduced to Christ, not you. And if you hear someone preaching himself or his own ideas rather than Christ, beware, he is a false teacher. Paul willingly served the Corinthians church, even though the people must have deeply disappointed him. Serving people requires a sacrifice of time and personal desires. Being Christ followers means serving others, even when they do not measure up to our expectations. So when we talk about um, people must be introduced to Christ and not to you, for me personally, so this is my intake on this commentary, is that they're not stating that we are not to share information about ourselves or share our testimony or even relate it back to life. What it's saying here from what I gathered is that you don't want to talk about Jesus or teach about Jesus or lead people to Jesus and point it at, pointing it all to you. Like it is not up to us to take that selfish reward or that satisfaction of I did this by myself no everything is to be done for the glory of God so for example if we're sharing something about us if we're sharing our story if we're um, sharing our accomplishments you know because we have a right to be proud of our accomplishments but through all of that we need to make sure that other people see Jesus in us. We need to make sure that we are just not giving the credit to ourselves and earthly things, but we are giving the credit to God because the truth is everything we have is because God decided to let us have it. Remember, nothing goes through God without his consent, whether it is good or or bad, he works all things together for the good and for his purpose. So he deserves the glory. His name deserves to be somewhere in our story. Okay. Whew. Sometimes I just, I get rolling. I like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I love it. I love it when like, I'm reading something or I'm talking about something and instantly like that light bulb goes off and I owe it all to the Holy Spirit. Okay, 5-7. It's a short one, but it's a good one. We live by faith, not by sight. So we live by believing wholeheartedly in God, what he stands for, who he is, and not by our sight not by what is in front of us and by what we are physically seeing. We live by faith through our hearts, through our beliefs, through what we are rooted in, in the kingdom, and not by what is being presented in front of us. All right, 2 Corinthians 5.10 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That judgment day is going to come, friends. All right, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 12. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade man what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. So commentary, those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart are the false preachers who were concerned only about getting ahead in this world. They were preaching the gospel for money and popularity while Paul and his companions were preaching out of concern for eternity. You can identify false preachers by finding out what really motivates them. If they are more concerned about themselves than about Christ, avoid them and their message. So, I don't know about you guys, but for me, you know, I can always tell when somebody is self-centered in a way and more focused about, about them and about their goals rather than than God, you know, and I'm not saying that none of us have bad days because we all do. There, there are times when I am very, when I'm very tired and just mentally drained. Um, for example, like, I mean, I'm going to be honest with y'all yesterday. Um, yesterday just wasn't a good day for me, um, mentally, emotionally, and just, you know, um, there were certain situations that were being presented um, to me that I found myself in or my kids found themselves in, and it just wasn't a good day. You know, when it involves your kids, it's like emotionally draining. There's nothing more, in my opinion, that can hurt you more than when the enemy attacks your family. But with that being said, you know, last night I went to bed with a heavy heart. This morning I woke up with a heavy heart, and I know all things are going to work out for the good. It always does, you know. Um, motherhood's just tough. You know, kids go through several phases, and you can only control you and your family and um, to a certain extent, you know. Um, I do believe that children are their own individuals, and we can raise them the best way we know how to, but eventually, you know, they are going to go out on their own and be their own people. Truthfully, there's a certain age that they hit where we are no longer in control of them getting into heaven. Um, one thing I'm very, very grateful for is that all three of my children have that relationship with God, and you can tell that they truly love him, and they truly love church and all that, so I'm super, super thankful for that, but, you know, motherhood comes in waves, and, and there's, there's all these challenges, and just everything in general, not just with motherhood, but life, life has a way of knocking you down, <laughs> and, um, anywho, so yesterday was just, it was just tiring, um, 
one thing after another just kept happening. And so anyways, I went to bed with a heavy heart this morning, woke up with a heavy heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like it is time. I've got to do the podcast. And I even contemplated whether or not to do it this morning. And I thought, okay, God, like, am I good enough to do this? You know, because I'm tired and I'm mentally drained and I feel like I need to be better. You know, I need to feel better emotionally before I get on the podcast. But that's a lie. That's a lie. Because in that moment, as I was asking him that, he was like, no, why would you run away from me when you need me the most? Why would you run away from something that gives you joy, you know, when you need it the most? And I was like, oh, good one. <laughs> and so here I am. And honestly, as I'm doing this and as I'm sharing my heart with y'all and as I'm reading the commentaries in scripture, I feel that joy and I feel God's presence like right now in this very moment. And he's so right. We tend to run away from him when things get so hard. But it's like, why? When the truth is, is we should be running so fast towards him when life tries to get us down and when the enemy comes attacking because we need him. We need him. And, you know, by me saying that is I'm not taking pride in what I'm doing here, not for my own self, but for God. You know, like what he has instilled in me. And so I'm not saying that we're not going to have good days. We're not going to have bad days. You're not going to listen to somebody one day and be like, well, like that was all about them. That was self-centered. Like, what are they doing? They clearly don't love Jesus. Absolutely not. Nope. That is not what I'm saying here. Like I said, you can always tell. You can always tell who's in it for Jesus wholeheartedly, passionately, faithfully, and those who are not, you know, we are all old enough to make that decision ourselves and that judgment for ourselves, but be careful not to judge too much. <laughs> all right. Five. Oh, y'all like Jesus is speaking to me. <laughs> I'm clearly talking out loud. All right. 517, let's talk about, well, let's talk about 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through um, 21. All right. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. <clears throat> the old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his, his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was good. Commentaries 517. Christians are brand new people on the inside. The Holy Spirit gives them new life and they are not the same anymore. We are not reformed, rehabilitated, or re-educated. We, okay, I have to like zoom in. (laughs) We are recreated, so new creations, living in vital union with Christ. At conversion, we are not merely turning over a new leaf. We are beginning a new life under a new master. The master is God. 518 through 19, the commentary. God brings us back to himself, so reconciles us, by blotting out our sins and making us righteous. We are no longer God's enemies or strangers or foreigners to him. When we trust in Christ, because we have been reconciled to God, we have the privilege of encouraging others to do the same. And thus, we are those who have the ministry of reconciliation. And then commentary for 520 and 521. An ambassador is an official representative on behalf of one country to another. As believers, we are Christ's ambassadors sent with his message of reconciliation to the world. An ambassador of reconciliation has an important responsibility. We dare not take this responsibility lightly. How well are you fulfilling your commission as Christ's ambassador? Commentary for 521. When we trust in Christ, we make an exchange, our sin for his righteousness. Our sin was poured into Christ at his crucifixion. His righteousness is poured into us at our conversion. This is what Christians mean by Christ's atonement for sin. In the world, bartending works Only when two people exchange goods of relatively equal value. But God offers to trade his righteousness for our sin. Something of immeasurable worth for something completely worthless. How grateful we should be for his kindness and grace. And mercy to us. All right. Second Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Commentaries for 6.1 and 6.2. How could the Corinthian believers toss aside God's message to receive God's grace in vain? Perhaps they were doubting Paul and his words, confused by the false teachers who taught a different message. The people heard God's message, but did not let it affect what they said and did. How often does God's message reach you in vain? 
God offers salvation to all people. Many people, though, put off a decision for Christ, thinking that there will be a better time or that they have enough time. But they could easily miss their opportunity altogether. There is no time like the present to receive God's forgiveness. Don't let anything hold you back from coming to Christ. Because we never know how much time you and I have. Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Hmm. So, for this, it says that Paul is urging believers not to form binding relationships with non-believers because this might weaken their Christian commitment, integrity, or standards. It would be a mismatch. Earlier, if you remember me talking about um, Paul saying, talking about marriage and, you know, where Paul even tells Christians to stay with their non-believing spouses Paul wants believers to be active in their witness for Christ to non-believers. But we should not lock ourselves into personal or business relationships that could possibly cause us to compromise the faith that we have. Believers should do everything in their power to avoid situations that could possibly force us to divide our loyalties So it's okay to love people from afar. It's okay to, you know, come in close contact with non-believers in order to, you know, in order to love them through what they're going through and in order to speak life into them and to speak Jesus into them. But we have to be careful not to get in super close proximity with them because if we're not careful and if we continue to build this relationship with non-believers, if we continue to build this relationship with people who are actively doing wrong and we know are actively doing wrong and we're willingly to accept that behavior, then if we are not careful, we could easily become persuaded. You know, it's like the more that we fill our cups with all the wrong things, the easier it is to be filled with those things instead of being filled with the good things. So we just have to be really, really careful with who we're choosing to to speak to, who we're choosing to hang out with. And um, just, you know, think about that. Think about those relationships. Think about those situations. All right. Second Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. The commentary, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. It refers to the sorrow for our sins that result in changed behavior. Many people are sorry only for the effects of their sins or for being caught. Worldly sorrow. So compare Peter's remorse and repentance with Judas' bitterness and act of suicide. Both disowned 
Christ, one repented and was restored to faith and service. The other took his own life. That was a deep one. That was a deep one. Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Commentary. There is no evidence that Jesus was any poorer than most first century Philistines. Rather, Jesus became poor by giving up his rights as God and becoming human. In his incarnation, God voluntarily became man, the holy human person. Jesus of Nazareth, as a man, Jesus was subject to place time, and other human limitations. He did not give up his his eternal power when he became human, but he did set aside his glory and his rights. In response to the Father's will, he limited his power and knowledge. Christ became poor when he became human because he set aside so much. Yet by doing so, he made us rich because we receive salvation and eternal life. What made Jesus' humanity unique was his freedom from sin. In his full humanity, we can see everything about God's character that can be conveyed in human terms. The incarnation is explained further in these following Bible passages. So, if you have a Bible and pen, write these down so you can take a look at them or come back to this episode. John 1, 1, well, I'm sorry, John 1, 1 through 14, Romans 1, 2 through 5, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, 1 Timothy 3, 16, Hebrews 2, 14, 1 John 1, 1 through 3. Okay, now let's talk about 2 Corinthians 8, 12 through 15. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who has gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Commentaries for 812. How do you decide how much to give? What about differences in the financial resources Christians have? Paul gives the Corinthian church several principles to follow. One, each person should follow through on previous promises. Two, each person should give as much as he or she is able. Three, each person must make up his or her own mind how much to give. 
And four, each person should give in proportion to what God has given him or her. God gives to us so that we can give to others. Paul says that we should give of what we have, not what we don't have. Sacrificial giving must be responsible. Paul wants believers to give generously, but not to the extent that those who depend on the givers, their families, for example, must go without having their basic needs met. Give until it hurts, but don't give so that it hurts your family and or your relatives who need your financial support. So in other words, you know, give generously with what you have, but don't hurt yourself or those who depend on you for giving. All right, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, which actually goes hand in hand with what we just talked about, about giving generously. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember, God knows our hearts and he knows our circumstances. And I don't believe that God will ever expect you to give what you don't have. So don't think that God is not going to love you or think that you are generous because you can't financially give. Sometimes we can give in other ways, even if it's just by giving somebody our time and our presence. All right, 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 15. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of their surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Commentary. Paul emphasizes the spiritual rewards for those who give generously to God's work. We should not expect to become wealthy through giving. Those who receive your gifts will be helped, will praise God, and will pray for you. As you bless others, you will be blessed. And that is it, my friends, on today's podcast episode. It was so nice hanging out with all of you this morning. Um, It was what my heart needed. And I hope that your heart needed this encouragement too. My prayer is that you can take what I am sharing through the things that I'm learning in my Bible and this journey and Just allow it to rest in your hearts and in your minds as you go on about your day and the rest of the week. 
I hope you are filled with God's goodness and strength and comfort. And I hope that you all have an amazing rest of the week and weekend. And I will talk to you guys on Tuesday. Bye.